Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Whether you're a new listener or a returning listener, we're so glad to have you with us. This is Margaret Vasquez. I'm your host, and um, my co-host, Father David Tickerhoof, is with me today. And we're really excited to get back into breaking apart this school of thought on human and spiritual integration, because as we've been talking about it, it's so key to peace, freedom, and great relationships in our lives. And this is part four in this series that we've been doing on the principles and fruits of human and spiritual integration. And we just really want to get into some application of these things for our lives. But before we do, let me welcome Father David. Hello to everybody. It's, I'm happy to be with you again, Margaret, as we, as we share in these things, because as we go through different things and different times each day, Different things come up that are really God teaching us all uh, more and more about these realities of uh, human and spiritual integration, the whole sense of what it means to belong and what it means for the Lord to belong to us and us to the Lord, and then that that whole sense of deep intimacy, deep personal relationship that is a, clearly a two way street, and then the fruit of that fl- flowing from the fact that we really experience deeply how valuable we are to the Lord, that He personally, personally, personally died for me, just for me. If nobody else in the in the world existed, Jesus would have died for me. And then, then the whole notion of if that is the case, then we look at these principles and with great gratitude for God's promotion, for his provision, and, and also for his protection. He's given us the, uh, the whole notion of boundaries. We, we express that spiritually in the fruits of the new, and, and, uh, the new covenant in Jesus and the life in the spirit and the spiritual gifts and what it means to be transformed by the fire of God's grace and love in our lives. And so we're going to continue looking at these, and we've looked at mostly the three areas of uh, communion with the Lord and uh, uh, spiritual, human and spiritual integration and charity towards others. And we looked at those things from uh, various points of view. And now I'm going to pass this back over to Margaret, and she's going to open up a new dimension of looking at these principles of human and spiritual integration. Thanks, Father David. Yeah, you know, as we've been talking, I know in the past couple of days, we've been talking about it's it's important to understand these these principles, right, as we've been talking about them. But what do we do with that? You know, if we just understand it and like I, you know, like I said the last time and it just becomes kind of like a, a baseball card in my brain. It's just something that I've collected and I have it up there. Then does it does it really do any good, right? It comes down to how do we apply this in our in our lives? So that's really what I want to take some time to really kind of 
beat up with you here today. And um, I think probably the first place I want to jump in on is back on our communion with the Lord, because when we talked about it, I know I predominantly talked about it in terms of what we receive from him, how he relates to us. But those very same factors are essential to how we're called to relate to him as well. So in terms of, um, you know, again, with the principles being chosen, known, valued, boundaries, and openness, the fact is that the Lord has chosen us, but we're called to choose him in return, right? And he he knows us intimately, even before he formed us in the womb, he knew us, right? As scripture says, but we're called to know him. And we know for, like, I think about um, in one of the epistles, I think it's one Corinth, in 1 Corinthians, but how St. Paul talks about, we'll be, we'll eventually know even as we are known. Um, and so we're called to even begin that, that growth in union with the Lord, even in this life. It's that part of that universal call to holiness that we all have. So we're called to know the Lord intimately. And then we're called to value him as, as well not to value him for what we can get from him, like he's the divine vending machine, but to value him for who he, re- who he is, right? Not what he can do for us, you know. Um, you, you know me, and you know, I, I have oftentimes a honeydew list made up for the Lord, right? And so, <laughs> as you roll your eyes, um, and that's so hard. It's hard not to want to value the Lord based on, is he doing what I want him to do? But valuing him for who he is. And then boundaries. So again, looking at boundaries in terms of the Lord as his protection and provision for us, then the question becomes, do I receive his protection, which part of it is morality and, and limits that he places on my life and requirements that he makes of me and his provision, sometimes slim and sometimes not. Do I receive those as um, as gift, regardless of if it feels like gift or not, right? If, and I think the way that we can do that is it, it goes back, requires us going back and and trusting in who He truly is, and that He knows us perfectly and intimately, and that He's all good. And as Bonaventure would say, so good that no greater good can be conceived of, you know. And um, and then that same openness that he had with us in pouring himself out for us, it's that same openness with him that we're really called to have in return. And so, so those are really, um, those are really ways that we put these into practice and they become more than just concepts, but they really are, um, are ways that, like guidelines, I guess they're, they're guiding principles for us to kind of, you know, gut check. Am I living, um, my relationship with the Lord in these ways? This morning I went over to, uh, get my ears examined because of a loss of hearing and the need for new hearing aids. And on the way over, Martha was, uh, I was with Martha and we were driving over. And one of the things is, I've just finished a time, uh, listening to a lot of young people that are 17, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. And it's so evident that the human and spiritual integration doesn't exist uh, or exists in a very minimal way. There's, most of them really look at it 
as as two things as uh, spiritual holiness is one thing and then your human maturity and growing up to be an adult is another thing but that's not where we're coming from we're coming from an integration of both of those dimensions as one thing in the human person that when our minds are transformed and we experience the transformation of grace and in our relationships with one another it's one thing we're dealing with one person we're relating to another person and we were talking about this, and I was just thinking about the fact that, well, this is not just a young people's problem. This is this is not just a young people's problem. This is a problem that people who've had a spiritual life and a life of prayer and intimacy with the Lord and uh, really know Him and really desire to grow in Him and to be a, a holy man or woman, that down deep inside there's still seems to be something that's not together so that a person that is, you know, doing a lot of spiritual things may be having all kind of problems in their human relationships where they're not getting along or the other person's taking advantage of them or they haven't set any boundaries or they're really not open to the, the human dimension. And it can be in their 30s, 40s, 50s and 60s. And so there's, this is a big, big deal, this whole notion that we're dealing with here in human and spiritual integration. So I'm going to let Margaret now move into the uh, area that's on her mind about, hey, this is among mature or seemingly mature adults in their relationships that don't have the advantage of going through the growth processes of adolescence. And they think they have chosen to be an adult, but there's a question mark there. Yeah, so it really comes down to, you know, I've, I've always said, and as a counselor, I see in, in therapy, um, kind of the principle of when we get the being right, the doing takes care of itself. And, you know, just a simple explanation of that would be, uh, oftentimes working with kids, even though I work with people of all ages, but in working with kids, oftentimes on the the first day, parents will um, meet with me and I'm asking them how the child is. And what they end up telling me about is a bunch of symptoms that are usually about their behavior. They do this or they don't do that or they talk back or they throw tantrums or they fight with their brothers and sisters or they're oppositional or, you know, whatever the case may be. And at the end of the time of treatment, when I say, you know, how are things going? They'll say, you know, he's just so loving. He's just so peaceful. And there's so much that's implied by when they say that. I don't have to say, okay, is he, is he still throwing tantrums? Is he still fighting with his siblings? Is he still talking back? You know, you can tell by that, um, that way they sum it up in how their being is. You know that the doing is, you know, and they have this, peace, this look of like tranquility on their face, the parent does, as they're telling me, you know, he's just so loving. He's so calm. He's just so... And so I've always seen when the being is right, the doing takes care of itself. And I think when we look at putting these principles of connection with the Lord, so our communion with the Lord, we look at putting those principles into practice and not just having them as, um, as theological ideas, but actually practicing them and applying them. That's really how we get at the being. That's really how we get at that is is really receiving first from the Lord these truths of who I am to him because it's not that 
we love God, but that he first loved us, as one John would say. And so then in receiving that, responding to the Lord, our response to him, and then out of that, our our relationship with our self flows. And so now we're going to kind of move into that. How do we apply that? How do we apply um, that personal integration to ourselves? And so we look at that aspect of, um, of choosing um, it's making that conscious and intentional choice to, to think about my life and to make a, a plan for how to, um, how to move forward in a way that's the most healthy for me. That's going to lead me to, into a deeper life of grace in the Lord. And, um, and as we do that, part of doing that is really taking on the mind of Christ in terms of how he sees us and how he knows us and how he relates to us. And so it really requires us to relate to ourselves differently. And a lot of times when you listen to people, they're, their own self-talk is really critical. Um, they see their value as based on external factors. Um, and really, you know, like we talked about, I know in one of the previous podcasts, really not knowing how to set boundaries and, or, or knowing how to, and being really fearful of setting boundaries. You know, I think you and I have talked a lot about how we don't really get taught to set boundaries we also don't really get taught that others get to have boundaries and how we're supposed to receive those when they set them like, and, um, and just how important those things are. You know, I always look at it like the Lord's first gift to us is peace when he was, when he appeared after the resurrection and boy, you know, it just seems like we really need to, um, to do everything we can to cooperate with maintaining that gift that he gave us. And we really can do that. We really can collaborate with him on establishing our lives in a place of peace. When we receive how he relates to us, relate back to him in a way that reciprocates that those same principles and then take on those same principles in terms of relating to ourselves and relating to other people. So I, I know you and I have talked a little bit about looking kind of at these principles in terms of an examination of conscience. Maybe I can, am I, am I putting you on the spot? If I ask you to maybe kind of consider some of these things, some things we might, some ways we might use this as an examination of conscience. When you ask somebody, uh, and and this can happen in counseling. I asked a counselor one time uh, in the recent past, well, what do you do when somebody comes in? How do you start the session? And they said, well, what what we do is we ask them, well, how are things going and what's bothering you? Or what do you, what do you need to work on? What's really bothering you? And then we start there and then we take it from there. And I was a little surprised because I thought what, happen, what happens is then they say, then we start working on, what's the the negative things that a person's going through and they the first approach they take is a kind of a cognitive approach where you know then that you work out a discussion and this is why it's going on and this is how you patch it up and this is what you do and that's not a bad thing necessarily you know it's not a matter of putting that down but it's not a really a complete evaluation of the last 2 weeks or the last month of your life 
So when you're, you're say you're in, in spiritual direction or uh, you're giving spiritual direction or guidance of some kind and, and a person comes to you, so you, you really in a sense, or if, if it's more in a spiritual area where we're looking at the sin dimensions, you know, and we say, well, let's see, you, you know, you have to, you, you know, did you, you, you're, you're a little dissatisfied with the way you've responded to prayer and the, the way you've been responding to others. Have you, have you examined your conscience and have you looked at the sin areas of your life? And they'll say, oh, yeah, I do this. And they'll, they'll list right five, six, seven different ways in which they operate out of uh, negative choices that are harmful to themselves or to others. And so, you, but you still feel like there's something not right, because they'll always go to sin. This is identified in the the Ten Commandments or in the Beatitudes or some of those human development failures, where selfishness of of myself and sinfulness is 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 to bear. And I, and I said, well, that's okay, but let's just set that aside now, and let's let's just say. Let's look at another thing. As uh, when we, where's the, the uh, you haven't uh, we haven't talked for over a month or so, and you you've certainly at work or in your situation personally or in your family, you must have had some kind of fight with somebody at least, or some disagreements, or some ways in which you might have backed off and not really stood up for yourself or protected your own boundaries or something like that. So. A couple times I experimented with saying to people, okay, now, we don't, I don't want to hear any more about the fact that you haven't been having a prayer time for the last week or that you forgot your rosary a sexual amount of times or that you skipped daily mass or you didn't do this or didn't do that. All of the typical traditional ways which we look at sin, which is a good, not a bad thing at all. It's a good thing. But now, what happened in your house when this relationship didn't walk out and you got depressed because you weren't heard at the table and you got up and didn't finish dessert and you went back to your room and you felt depressed and you felt like you didn't belong and you, you felt like, no, well, nobody cares for me. And this is what happens to me all the time when we get into conversations. And I'm just not, I just don't think that that I have all the things I need to be a, a person and be a mature person. And we give in to these kind of human maturing patterns in a negative way and we dwell on those and we draw them into ourselves and we never think to the, the fact is that we, we have separated them from the spiritual things that we would say if we went to the sacrament of penance. So the real question is, Hey, you know, adult people who've been praying and having a relationship with the Lord for years can be operating out of this dis, dis, disconnection in their spiritual and human development. And it's been so much a habitual pattern of growing into adulthood and uh, the t choices that they've made, they don't see that it's still operating in their life. So I'm thinking when you're doing counseling or you're listening to a person or you get spiritual direction, uh, hey, said, uh, the sins are the sins. They know what to do with their sins. Let's really talk about the areas of human maturity where there's significant failure, where there's negative feelings that that uh, that engender attitudes of not belonging or nobody cares, I'm alone, I'm by myself, or why should I be grateful for everything? And, you know, I'll just do it myself and do it, and I don't care what anybody else thinks, even if they're hurt. And so what we do is we get into disconnection and inauthenticity. So what are we doing? We're, we're, you know, that 
we're no longer 19, 20 years old. We're now, you know, 40 years old, 50 years old. We're in relationships. Sometimes things at work don't go well. Sometimes with the spouse, it doesn't go well. What's going on? Disintegration. The, the, in, the uh, spiritual and human integration hasn't taken place where my choices are in the name of love, in the strong choices that really bring about that reality that's going to move me beyond the negative emotional struggles that I have. So I'm going to, as now, so I think we ought to start looking at at an examination of conscience that deals with these basic uh, three types of connection with communion with the Lord, uh, personal, uh, spiritual, and human integration, and charity towards others. And now that I've put Margaret on, on on the line again and on the spot, I'm going to pass the mic over to her. So I think what what we're going to end up doing is developing um, developing an examination of conscience, and if there's a way to which I think there is, I think there's a way we can upload this as a PDF to um, and connect it with this podcast when you go to Ultimate Christian Podcast Network um, dot com. So I'd encourage you to go check out out there, and we're gonna if there's a way for us to put up a an examination of conscience will end up doing that. I think another way that you can look at it, I tend to be very, um, you know, I treat with a chiropractor and nutritionist and I work out and I eat very healthily. It's not because I want to do any of those things. If given my choices, I would prefer to eat gummy bears and drink Dr. Pepper for, (laughs) for all my days, but my body doesn't work well living like that. And so, um, so I've been forced into trying to, to be health conscious. And I've learned that if you focus on health and wellness, then you don't have to focus so much on sickness and recovery. And so it's, um, it's a, it's a really good, a good way. And I had an experience of this with a client, um, just how these can, how these things can help us out. It was a number of years ago, and I was working with a 16-year-old boy and had taught him these principles. Now, this was purely from just a, a human perspective. This wasn't even going into the spiritual realm. He wasn't, I don't even know if what his persuasion was. I, I just, you know, denomination or what. I just know that I was working with him for mental health counseling. And he was pretty chronically having um, run-ins with his parents and conflicts with his girlfriend and his friends at school and that kind of thing. And so I just drew a circle, divided it into four quadrants, and wrote in each quadrant the different principles. So chosen, known, valued, and boundaries. It said these are the four things that are essential, and these things create the climate for a person to become open, to be open. And that's when that openness happens from both people in a way where they're respected and regarded with value. That's where good relationships happen. So this is pretty simple. I taught these principles to his mom and himself. Now the next week he came back and I said, so how did you do over the last week? How the last week go? And he said, Oh, well I was able to relate to my parents in this way. I think we had a little bit of conflict because, you know, because I didn't respect the boundaries they had set, but, 
And I didn't feel like they really knew where I was coming from, but we were able to talk about that. And, you know, we went through each one of his relationships with his girlfriend and his friends at school. So then the second week he came in and without any prompting from me, he laid out his whole life and how things had gone over the last week based on those four principles. Now the third week he came in and he said that in, in real time, in actual relationship with each one of the people in his life over the last week, when he could feel things starting to go off a little bit when he was in the middle of, you know, communicating with him, relating to him. And you, you know, you just kind of get that little bit of feeling in your gut, like, uh, something's not working out well here. And he was able to quick in his head, pull up those four principles, chosen, known, valued and boundaries and think, okay, am I, am I taking the time to listen to this person? Oh, I'm not, they don't feel known because I'm not, you know, I'm making this all about myself and, um, or, oh, they're, I'm communicating that their only value to me is what I can get from them or, or, oh, I'm not respecting their boundaries or, and he was able to, to quick navigate what the problem was and rectify it right there in real time. And I just thought that was amazing because 16 year old males, you know, not to be chauvinistic, but they're just not the most emotionally intelligent creatures the Lord ever decided to wrap skin around. And so that this 16 year old boy was able to, to do that and apply those things, that that's, that's really it when we can take it and apply it because the Lord really like in scripture, he really marries like our love for him with our love of our neighbor, you know? Like if we give a cup of cold water to one of, you know, to somebody in his name, right? Or if how we love our neighbor, that that's really how we're loving him. Whatever we do to the least, we're doing to him. And so it's really being able to live those principles out more than, um, okay, love means feel warm and fuzzy towards this person. Oh, I don't feel warm and fuzzy towards them. So I don't really know what to do about that. You know, I... I really like having these principles because it really kind of forces us to say, okay, this is how I'm called to relate to the Lord. And so this is how I'm called to relate to others and then really put those things into practice. So then basically charity then emerges as the hallmark uh, virtue that makes, brings things together and puts a, night, a new kind of unity in it. And, and, I'm uh, using this as a practical experience. Uh, I read a book, uh, oh, about a year ago now. It's it's called The Context of Holiness. And I had got it given to me by somebody who said they thought this was one of the better books written in terms of uh, human and spiritual integration. And it was about the little flower. And you probably know her as Teresa of Lisieux, who became a Carmelite. She died at the age of 24. And uh, she got special permission to come into Carmel, and she was there for nine years. She got to, she died of tuberculosis, and even when she was, uh, the she be, she became sick when she was ahead of the novices, and then she started to really, in a sense, cough up blood, and then things got worse and worse. But, but even even at the uh, uh, later stages of her life, she would always, and this was the key thing, she would make choices of genuine love for other sisters in the community. And in a sense, she felt in her early years, 
she was passed around with about four different women women to kind of mother her in her infant years, in her early years, because her mother had some real emotional problems that were difficult. And so she, when they were all, she was taken away from every one of them and brought back home again. She felt that separation anxiety. And so then after that, she was sent to a boarding school and things didn't work out good there and she didn't feel like she belonged. And actually, some people say in their writings that she was bullied. And then when she was, uh, oh, about 14 years old, something really unique happened to her. And they were coming home from midnight mass. And uh, what they used to do is uh, with her, and then she was in the family, and she put a lot of emphasis upon the, her security with her family. This they would take them, put the shoes out, and then they would take. Well, I guess it was a French custom. Then they would put gifts in the shoes and that. And she was going. They were coming from midnight mass, and she was walking up the steps, and she was out of sight, and she heard her father say. Oh, I just hope this is the last year we do this thing with Teresa, putting these gifts in her shoes and everything. You know, this is just a child's thing, and it gets so wearisome at Christian. And she heard that, and she went through a major conversion in her life, a major change. She walked up, she took her mask clothes off, put on her wreck clothes, went back down, did the same things, put the with the gifts, and made a big fuss of it. Never did it again. She made a change to see that to become an adult just doesn't happen automatically, that you have to make choices of human and spiritual integration in your life. And when she was able to choose and still love her father and get beyond those gifts in the shoes, something really happened. Then she had a, a major breakdown in her emotions but right before she went into Carmel. And they're not quite sure what happened, but it sounded like the normal kind of emotional breakdown that some people have. When in this, in, And it's usually in this area of belonging, and intimacy and relationships and the virtues of uh, being valued and chosen and boundaries and openness. And I think she made a decision because her famous statement was, do little things with great love. And I'll just give you this last example, and then I will uh, hand this back over for Margaret to continue talking about this notion of examination of conscience, which is really something we have to look at as a as a practical application. So what she did is she was already coughing up blood. She it was about a year before she died. She died at 24. And there was a sister in the community who was tremendously difficult to get along with. They used to lose her cool and berate her and everything. But and she was put in charge of the laundry, and nobody, none of the sisters, would be, were willing at all to go and work with her in the laundry. And even when she was sick and she was beginning to, to die, she made the choice of love, and she went in to the laundry, and she helped, and she worked with that sister. So her victory came when she chose authentic love and mercy and charity in relationship rather than reacting negatively or in inappropriate ways when she wasn't related to it in a good way. And her little things were not so little because they dealt with the relationships in, in a religious life which can be quite challenging in many aspects. She made the choices of love to become an adult over her negative feelings of loneliness and isolation and that she wasn't loved and she didn't count. And that's what made her the saint that she's considered to be today. I'm going to you back over to Margaret here. 
so I think one of the areas I don't want us to leave out is, um, is the idea of false connection, pseudo connection. You know, when we look at these principles of connection and how essential they are to our person, that the Lord's wired them into us, you know, honestly, when I was writing the book, um, fearless abundant life through infinite love, which really breaks these things apart. And when I was writing that, I was looking up scriptures for meditation to go with each section. And I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I I called a friend of mine and I said, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm pulling out the scriptures to, for meditation with each one of these sections, each one of these principles of connection, whether it's connection to the Lord or to ourselves or to others. And I said, you know what? I realize all of scripture falls into one of these categories. And my friend said, well, that makes sense. And I was kind of, I was kind of caught off guard, right? Did that was just like, so she, she didn't find that like astounding at all. I'm like, why, why does it make sense? And she said, it's all relationship. And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's, that's really true. And so then from that, I started listening to the readings for mass for each day. And, and I'd really challenge people to listen to the, to read them, to listen to the readings for mass for each day and see if they don't fall into one of the categories of, of boundaries, our value being known or, um, chosen or openness. It'll fall into one of those categories. And sometimes it's the Lord calling us to that. Sometimes it's him expressing how he relates to us or that, or, or guiding us and how to relate to others. But because those things are so essential to how he's made us, he's made us for them. When we, if we don't get them, we don't experience these things. Then we end up looking for a false sense of connection. We end up trying to, to, um, medicate that wound in ways that aren't helpful, that really just cause further disconnection. You know, things like, um, being on social media too much or, um, or pornography or illicit sexual relationships, you know, and the list goes on. So it's these false attempts at connection that, that fail and just end up leaving us with further sense of disconnection. So, um, so yes, so take these principles and I just really encourage our listeners as, as we're all trying to grow in these areas and thank the Lord. There's always, there's always more because he's infinite. And so take these principles and really ask the Lord what areas he has greater peace and freedom for you. And um, just encourage you, if there are areas where you find yourself stuck and really stuck in a sense of rejection or stuck in a sense of abandonment or whatever, um, to really take that, that woundedness to the Lord. And perhaps you might want to listen to um the second and third podcasts that are available, the first, the second and third episodes that were up that, it, that it will explain a little bit about trauma and how those very painful things that we've gone through can continue to affect us. But I encourage you to take those areas to the Lord and ask him to replace those painful experiences with experiences of his love. And um, we'll look forward to, talking with you again the next time and thank you for joining us if you're interested um can check out sacredhearthealingministries.com for more information and um for my books uh, 
more uh, more than <laughs> more than words, the freedom to thrive after trauma or fearless abundant life through infinite love, or Father David's book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture. All three of those are available on Amazon. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and ask you to um, to like and share this podcast if you found it useful. And we invite you to join us again in the future. May the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.